are in an incredible series. My name is Efren Pena, by the way. I am the campus pastor here. Uh, for those watching online, welcome. Uh, we hope you enjoy your time with us today. For those of you visiting us today, we're so honored to have you. We hope you had an incredible worship experience. Now you got to meet Frankie, you who wants to run the place. You got to meet Donald, who's a student uh, 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 leader here, and myself as the campus pastor. I would love the opportunity to meet you before you leave here today. So with that being said, we're in this incredible month-long series, actually catching it on the tail end of it here uh, of new normal, right? The new normal. And um, uh, it's, it's basically the, the understanding that what to do, what do we do when what we thought we knew turns out not to be true anymore? Right? In this season of this pandemic, there were so many things that we, where we knew. There were so many things that we kind of understood that was kind of normal for us. But what happens, right, where we are, when we walk into 2021, where the things that we thought we knew actually don't turn out to be true anymore. There's a new season of life. There's a, a new change. And, and so how do we adapt? How do we figure it out? And so we have been talking about this. Uh, we've talked about change, right? In order to walk into 2021 and, and be better and do better, be healthier, right? Spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally, right? We're going to have to change. There's some things that we're going to have to kind of reconfigure because the, what we knew as normal does not exist anymore. We got to start changing it up and, and embracing what is in front of us instead of trying to bring back the old stuff, right? We talked about faith, right? We need to, 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 to be better, to grow our faith, that we change the perspective that we've been having in our relationships, how we conversate, how we address. They're talking about something that maybe you've heard before. Maybe you haven't really heard this word because some probably relate this word as like a, a back in the days when I was young, I'm not a kid anymore type of a word, right? It's called the Sabbath, right? It's a word that we rarely use. And so I'm going to modernize that a little bit and I'm going to cause it to cease and rest. Cease means to stop what you're doing and rest, okay? And so let me, let me rewind the tape a little bit and I'm going to take it back to New Year's Eve, right? How many had a great time New Year's Eve, right? You partied it up with your six people? Right? Some of us had a great time. Some of us slept it through, but I want to, I want to bring you into my world just for a little bit, right? We were, we, we, we're Puerto Rican and Puerto Ricans are number one, they're loud, right? Number two, we just love music and we like to party it up. Right? And so in our house, we were ready to do all of the above. We were ready to eat. We were ready to be loud and we were ready to party it up. And so we had the games, we had the music, we had the salsa going, then we had the old school hip hop going, and then we had something Ryan Seacrest wanted to throw in there on TV, right? But we were partying it up. But here's the thing, things, things started to change as we grew into the night, as the night developed. And so at 8 p.m., 8 p.m. our time, we got all hyped and ready to go because we were about to celebrate with 
New Year's, we were about to celebrate New Year's with Puerto Rico. We have family and friends in Puerto Rico, so we got on the phone, we got on the, the video chats. We're like, oh, happy New Year. Oh, it was crazy. It was loud. A bunch of Puerto Ricans trying to, nobody got a word in. Everybody was just screaming at each other. Right? So it was really cool. It was really awesome. So then one hour had passed, and we were like, okay, we have family and friends in Florida. So we got to celebrate. We got to do it all again. We got to pack it up and let's start screaming. Ooh! And so we, we got on the phone, we got on the, uh, the video chats and we were like, hey, happy new year. We we're like, oh, because they're also Puerto Ricans as well, right? And so then another hour passed, right? And we're at 10 o'clock our time now, right? And of course, but one person, actually her and her boyfriend, the only people that I know in Chicago. So we decided to call them up and we're like, oh, we're Puerto Ricans. Torres is not, Torres, Torres, he's mixed, right? He's mixed, he's half and half. Right? And then as soon as it was over, it was like, oh, 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 okay, we got two hours left. And it, it was like, it was like the music got lowered, it was like Ryan Seacrest got played out. So we were like watching some other show going on. And we're like, man, it was looking at the clock and it was like 10.15. I'm like, really? And then 10.30, I'm like, oh my gosh. And everybody starts, can we change? Can we go into our PJs? And so everybody's like, yeah, yeah, let's go get that. Let's, let's maybe that was spruce it back up. It was like 11.30, we're like, Gosh, like this can't go. We're like tired. We're absolutely, absolutely drained, right? And 12 o'clock here, we're like, happy new year. Everybody go to bed. Like, you didn't hear anything. Like, like even the, the horn, it didn't even go, right? You know, those paper horns you blow, they go straight out. It was just like, it was, it was just, it, it didn't work. 12 midnight, we were exhausted. We were super tired and we were in bed by 12.01. Now, or I know literally I spoke to many of you who said, oh, I was in bed by nine, Pastor. Like, you, you are, you're an old fogey. You, you're tired, right? You're, you didn't even make it to midnight. But we all have this, this, this thing, this, this belief system, this, this way of doing things that, that's, we're wired, that's wired inside of us that makes, us, makes it hard for us to stop. It makes it hard for us to miss out on something, to, to take time off, to rest, right? To acknowledge that our hearts and our minds and our bodies need to, to, to stop. We, have, we say things like, oh, no, it's, it's no days off. Or, or no, this is, I've got to hustle. I've got to hustle for minds. Or, or we use the, the term uh, FOMO, fear of missing out. Young adults suffer from FOMO, fear of missing out. Like you have to be at every party, at every meeting, at every hangout, at every get together. You have to, because you have this fear of missing out. We are obsessed with side hustles and projects. We're obsessed with, with doing more and making more. We, we say things like no days off. Yes, ah, that is me, right? And instead of 24-7, people are now saying 25-8. Like, what? That is not even possible. That means 7-Eleven has to change their name. Right? It just doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. It, 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 that's not right. It's not normal. We see, we live in this constant sense of fatigue and being overwhelmed. Something that, that we've just accepted as something normal. 
That's just the way it is. That's the way we live our life. And so for many of us, our lives are overbooked, overfilled, overscheduled, and quite honestly, overused. A Christian watchmaker and a writer from the early 1900s said, by the name of Corey Ten Boom, was she hit it? She hit it right on the nose when she said, "If the devil can't make us bad, he will make us busy. Then he's going to do everything he can possibly do to make us busy. And if you're going about going busy, 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 busy right? You're running around. Then something is not right." The enemy is doing something right on his side. You see, busyness has always been challenging for us. But over the last 12 months, during this pandemic, we've also had to figure out what is, you know, figure out WFH, working from home, right? We've had to figure out distance learning on top of that as well. It's more difficult than ever to draw clear boundaries in regards to how we spend our time. In fact, one of the few things that was helping us create this, these boundaries in our time and in our life was commuting. Commuting to work, right? Which for many is no longer a thing anymore. Instead of 5, 10, 60 minutes commute from work to home, now we just get out of bed and walk to the table, the dinner table slash desk, and we've arrived and started to work and no longer have beginnings or endings to certain aspects of our day. And it's not just work either, right? It's not just work. It's also showing up in our time off or seemingly lack thereof. Let me ask you this. Would you believe me if I told you that as Americans, we have more time uh, for leisure than our parents or our grandparents did? Like, what you talking about, Willis? Like, nah, that can't be true. That can't be true. Even hearing that, even hearing that, uh, hearing me say that probably makes you want to throw something at me, right? But like, no way, pastor. Like, I am super busy. I got lots of things to do. I got places to be, people to see, things to do. There's no way that I have more time than, I, than my parents did back then because my parents don't do anything. <laughs> Here's the thing. Because we feel like we have less time off, less time to relax, and less time to rest than ever before, it begins to work in our hearts and in our minds, and it begins to, to change us. In fact, most of us, you, uh, you, you sat on the porch, and you drank some lemonade or some sweet tea, and let the kids run outside, and they played with rocks, and it was, it was good. I had those days with that free time, and you could rest and, and hang out, that's crazy, crazy because we feel like that doesn't exist anymore. There has to be a better way of living life. There has to be a better way of doing things, right? A different way. And I want to tell you this morning that there is. And before, and, and, and before God ever told us what to do, 
right? Before God ever told us what to do, God modeled for us what we should be doing. And it wasn't something that he came up after the fact of us messing things up, right? It was actually his intention from the very beginning. It's actually how he purposed us to live life here on earth. Let's jump into scripture here. Genesis 1 verses 1 to 2 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens borders, and the Spirit of God was hovering, hovering over the surface of the waters. So in Genesis, Genesis begins from the very beginning. And so it says that God created the heavens and the earth. And over the next several days, six days to be exact, right, God created land and sea, stars and sun, birds and animals, and everything that filled the earth. So then we jump into Genesis chapter 2. Verse one, it says, so the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. In other words, God was done. He was finished, right? But then it goes on to say in verse two and three, it says, on the seventh day, God finished his work of creation. So he rested from all his work. And God blessed the the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all of his work of creation. And so on the seventh day, God said, okay, I am done. It is of work and rest. And on the seventh day, he chooses to rest. He chooses to take Sabbath, right? The Sabbath, right, the Hebrew word, right, that is used is, is Shabbat, right, and, and, and it, it means to cease, right, to cease. The English word that we're familiar with is the Sabbath. So the Sabbath is more of a, a verb, right? It's more of a verb. It's something that you can do, like you should, like you could say, let's shop or let's eat, right? Sabbath is an action word. Let's Sabbath, right? On the seventh day, God stopped from his work, from his work and chose to Sabbath. God literally stopped working and rested. The other definition of Shabbat is cease, right? It's interesting that these two words, cease and rest, Obviously, they're connected, but don't always go together. Many of us stop working, but we don't. But the concept, the idea, the, the actual doing of resting, we fail at that. But God says on the seventh day, he ceased work, the work that he had been doing, and he rested. So for us as believers... Sabbath is a day to rest from creation, rest from the things that we're doing, right? And to rest as creation. We are God's creation. The author David White describes it this way. Rest is the conversation between what we love to do and how we love to be. Rest is an act of remembering imaginatively and intellectually, but also physiologically and physically. 
To rest is to give up on worrying and fretting and the sense that there is something wrong with the world unless we put it right. Think about that. I love that part. To rest is to give up and the sense that there is something wrong with the world until or unless we put it right. Have you ever been there? You've done that? Like you're anxious, you're worried, you're nervous because you feel like there's something wrong in the world and, it, and it won't, you won't find peace, you won't find rest until you make it right. God rested on the seventh day and was just delighting in what he had made. What he had made. That's incredible, right? Think about that for a second. What if we actually did that? We rested on the seventh day and took a step back and delighted in what God had made. Sounds amazing. But it's, it turns out we struggle. We struggle with that. We struggle with putting that into play. We struggle with taking the Sabbath. In fact, let me give you some, some proof of that. 37% of Americans take fewer than seven days of vacation a year. 768 million vacation days went unused in 2018. 22% say they would rather work than go on vacation. 20% say they felt guilty for taking time away. 21% of people admitted they, they did work on their time off. 33% of people said who, uh, who, wouldn't, who, would, who would have taken a vacation in the past year said they checked their emails while they were away. And 81% of employees check their work email outside of work. That means eight out of 10 people are working after they finish working. Church, our value as people seems to be increasingly uh, uh, quantified or calculated by our productivity and our work. In other words, we are constantly trying to find our self-worth, our value by how much we work. That's just crazy when you think about that. That we cannot find something that is good inside of us unless it's attached to how many hours we worked. We all long for control in our lives and we feel like we can gain that, right? We can gain that by the effort of work that we put in. We want to control things. But the Sabbath, the ceasing and the resting, it comes against our desire of control. To be Lord of our own lives, it is, in, is it an, it is an act of resistance against the broken ways this society is trying to teach us to live. In fact, this is why God formalized this natural rhythm by, picture that, God so it's, thought it was so important that he actually made it a commandment. Because keeping the Sabbath, we acknowledge the sovereignty of God. We, we acknowledge the sovereignty of God. But refusal, when we say no to keeping the Sabbath, it, it is to live as though that you are your own provider. In other words, you want to be separated 
from God. You don't want God to take any credit for your existence. You don't want God to have any credit for being your provider, for being your wherewithal. Richard Lowry says, Sabbath promises seven days of prosperity for six days of work. It operates on the assumption that human life and prosperity exceed human productivity. We get more than we contribute. Imagine that. God says, you're going to get seven days of productivity for six days of work. That makes incredible But Pastor E, so what you're saying is because we're so busy and we're so overwhelmed and our schedules are packed, you're saying that we should all just clear our schedules for 24 hours every week. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of saying, right? But there's more to that. You see, Sabbath is more than a day, but it is not less than a day. So if you can take more than a day, then take more than a day. But it shouldn't really be less than a day. What do I mean by that? Is that we, we believe all of the law and all of the ceremonies and all of the sacrifices in the Old Testament pointed to and were fulfilled in Jesus. That because of Jesus, we understand that we find our purpose. Because of Jesus, we find everything that we need. So picture this, Adam, Adam was created on day number six and God says that it was very good. And then the day comes to an end. So Adam's first full day, day number seven, right, wasn't spent on working or making himself with God and resting in the beauty and the power and the provision of his heavenly father. Finding rest in God, right? Religion and even our culture around us tells us to go do. It tells us to go work, right? It it tells us to go achieve and produce something. That what you are going to do will, will earn you love. It will earn you value. It will earn you acceptance. But Jesus, on the contrary, says, I've already done it all, right? Your job is to rest in what I have done. I did the work. It is complete now, and I invite you to rest in it. In fact, Hebrews 4 says that Jesus is our Sabbath rest. In other words, when we rest, we should rest in Jesus. He is the one who provides rest and peace to us. So the idea of the Sabbath is meant, is really meant to infiltrate the provision and the work of God and how it forms and shapes our identity. That when we look in the mirror and we find ourselves at peace, it is because God provides that peace. That it is he who brings rest. That it is he who pays our bills. That it is he who provides for us. So the Sabbath is so much more than a day, but it isn't intended to be less than a day. Now I know some of you laugh at the idea of carving out an entire day And I want to remind you that the Sabbath is meant to be a gift and not a burden. 
This is a gift that God gives us. Not something for you to worry how you're going to figure out how to do all the other work if you take a day off. It's not supposed to be something that, is, that, that brings you stress or brings you anxiety. It is a gift. And as with many spiritual disciplines, it's sometimes best to start in small portions and work our way up right, into a full experience. It didn't take long for people to turn the Sabbath commandment into a restrictive, pointing out that what he was doing was wrong. Mark chapter 2, verse 27, Jesus responds to them who meet the requirements of the Sabbath. In other words, this was given to us as a gift for us to enjoy, not to try to figure out how we can fit the Sabbath in our schedule. It was more to say, hey, the Sabbath is us. It is part of what we've been given. It is our right. It is, it is a gift to us. So the people became so obsessed with observing the regulations that they forgot the purpose of the Sabbath in the first place, right? The opportunity to draw closer to God by ceasing our work, right? By resting and delighting in God's creation, whether that be food, whether that be people, whether that be art, whether that be going outdoors, but not engaging in the work itself. Unfortunately, we seem to believe that our value is somehow tied into our productivity, right? The more that we produce, the more we feel better about ourselves. And that's what the society is constantly trying to, to, to teach us. Sabbath is a reminder that our value doesn't come from our work, but it is a gift given to us by God. And I want to encourage you today to grab hold of this gift, right? To open this gift up, to figure out how this gift plays into your world and how you can be better by it. So let me, let me close this up so that I can put you on your way to practice the Sabbath, Right? Every time that, that I preach and teach, I want to give you something practical, something for you to, to, to latch onto and say, man, I can do this. I can put this into play in my life. So how do we be better and do better at taking the Sabbath, doing the Sabbath? The first thing I want to give you is to recognize time as a commodity. Recognize time as a commodity. It is our most precious commodity because there is no more time being created, right? There is no more time. It's not like that movie where they punch out those clocks and here, add more time to me so I can live more. No, we, we continue to exhaust time. We use up our time. We're not going to get more, right? We're not going to get more time. So time is valuable. It should be seen as a value to us. And what we do with that time should matter to us. Who we give that time to should matter to us. And if somehow we are, we are taking away from the people that we love, from ourselves, then we're doing an injustice 
not only to us, to the people we love, but we're doing an injustice to the gift that was given to us. Psalms 90 verse 12 says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. In other words, value. And when we think about time as a value, it kind of makes you think about how you want to spend your time. I remember many, many years ago, I wanted to be the man that worked 80 hours. I wanted to put in because I, I wanted to climb the, the corporate skill. I wanted people to know who I was. I wanted to have this and have that. I didn't really understand that my time was worth something. Because I thought that my productivity was my exchange, my money. And just like we plan our, our groceries, right? Some of us make that list of groceries. If you don't, that's why you have like 12 cans of salt in your cupboard because you didn't plan it out. We budget our money. We're diligent on how we organize things where things need to be or how we decorate our homes. So it begs the question, why aren't we taking this time and, and holding on to it and figuring out what to use it best and the impact of your time. Number two, recognize your need for the Sabbath. Recognize that you need the Sabbath. We all need it. Sabbath is an invitation, a command, a gift to stop, to cease and rest. Call a time out. No matter how good it is what you're doing. I call a timeout, Sophia. Sophia is, is, is my 12-year-old. She think in a matter of a week, she did the trilogy of, of what was it? I don't know, a book, a, a series. Like, I had to say, Sophia, we need to call a timeout. Go run. Go relax. Go just stop. And rest. Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith says most of us live in a deficient of rest. In other words, we lack rest. We lack creative rest, emotional rest, spiritual rest, sensory rest. Listen, all of our, our life is encompassed. We begin to lack and it kind of tilts our bodies a way of thinking physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. It puts us off track. And then we're mean and grumpy and angry and selfish. We say things we don't mean and we look at people the wrong way and we lash out because we're lacking in this rest. Wayne Muller Mueller says, we meet dozens of people. Listen, this is incredible. We meet dozens of people, have so many conversations. We do not feel how much energy we see at our disposal. This one little, what can it cost, right? But it does cost. It drains yet another drop of our life. Then 
at the end of our days, weeks and months and years, we collapse, we burn out, and we cannot see where it happened. It happened in a thousand unconscious events surface, but that each one, each one after the other used a small, precious moment of life. And so we're given the Sabbath. So church, I ask you, what rejuvenates you? What brings in a fresh wave of energy, a wave, a fresh wave of freshness in you? Whatever that is, you need to go after it. For Donald, it was the beach. He finds rest and peace. There's something about the beach, right? If you want to do that, go with Donald to the beach. Six feet apart, of course. But find what brings you new energy. If you work with your hands, maybe you need to do something with your mind. You need to do something. Because here's the thing. It takes work to rest. (laughs) Believe it. It takes work to rest, to turn this off. It takes work. Hebrews 4.11 says, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. In other words, you got to put effort. You got to work at the Sabbath. So plan family so that you can cease and rest. Sometimes it's in the lack of our planning why we feel so busy and the lack of carving out things that we feel so busy. So maybe some to rest. Pastor 12 out, then find six. Do something. Find something. Carve out. Be intentional about this. Start somewhere. Because here's the thing, church. That keeps coming. All work to do. And don't do anything. You're always going to have laundry happen, right? But we have to choose what is right for our souls because if you don't do it, no one else is going to do it for you. No one else is going to prioritize. There's no boss going out there. Listen, have you taken your vacation? You need to take your vacation. Nobody's going to say that to you. So you need to prioritize it. You need to make it your business. You need to seek out that rest. Understand that it is a gift. Not only is it a gift, but you need to cease and rest. Rest in him. Find your peace. Find your energy. Find your comfort in him. Amen.